Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Inflation is back, and this time it looks serious. But will it affect your investments? What's the best way to profit from emerging markets? Buy a China fund or a good old-fashioned FTSE 100 blue chip share? And 50% tax is coming. But what can high earners do between now and April to reduce the impact? All of this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Alice Ross. Hello. Steve Lodge. Hello. And Tanya Poli. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, the latest inflation figures show that the Consumer Prices Index jumped to 2.9% in December from 1.9% the month before, the highest single-month rise on record. And the Retail Prices Index jumped from 0.3% to 2.4%, the biggest monthly rise since 1979. But is this real inflation? Although the price of bananas didn't rise by 23% in December and tea bags were up 5%, economists pointed out that a year ago the recession was at its deepest. So most of the price rises reflect the fact that a year ago VAT was lower, petrol prices were falling and retailers were cutting prices to get rid of unsold Christmas stock. So, Alice, should investors really be worrying about inflation now? Well, I think they probably should. I mean, uh, while the the rise, um, the rate at which inflation rose was a surprise, people have been talking about inflation going up for quite some time now. This this is kind of expected. Um, and there were some indicators this week that it might actually be real inflation. Um, one indicator of that is often the bond markets. And when the inflation announcement was made, the bond markets reacted immediately and prices went down and yields went up. And now that's a, an indicator that people think that interest rates will have to rise because in a time of inflation, the government's likely, not the government, the Bank of England is likely to raise the interest rates. So there are some indications that it is an actual real rate of inflation. So investors probably should be taking steps. And we'll come on to interest rates uh, in a moment, because obviously that's going to affect uh, uh, every mortgage borrower. But um, just looking at investment portfolios, are there any particular assets that people should be moving into or emphasising more uh, because they stand up to inflation rather better? Yes. Um, the, the normal advice in times of inflation to protect your portfolio against inflation is to buy real assets. So people buy commodities or they buy property. Equities are also a good option because producers can reprice their 
um, products when there's rising inflation quite quickly. Um, so those three things are recommended. Obviously, there needs to be an investment case for them as well. I mean, property is quite divisive at the moment. Some people think it's a great time to buy property. Others think you would be mad to buy property now. So don't just buy because it's supposed to be good at hedging against inflation. Think about the investment case as well. But you can certainly buy all those three things. And then the other thing that you should probably be looking at doing is buying index-linked uh, certificates from national savings and investments, um, which pay out uh, income based on inflation, so a rising income if, if there is inflation. And pensioners should also be considering protecting their pension income against inflation. Uh, they can buy an RPI-linked annuity. But they should bear in mind that if they do buy one of these things, it comes at a price. You get a much lower starting income. And just turning to uh, what might happen to interest rates. Um, Tanya, obviously, uh, whenever inflation goes up, um, there is a fear that uh, the central bank might need to tighten uh, policy by raising rates. Uh, Every mortgage borrower will be now thinking about that. But am I right in saying that rates have been creeping up anyway? Um, Yeah, that's right. In terms of um, kind of the standard variable rates, for different lenders, I mean, it's mostly been on the building society side because a lot of them are really struggling to cope with this increased competition in the retail savings market. So they're struggling to kind of raise the funds necessary to support the different kind of margins and borrowing that they're kind of doing at the moment on the mortgage side. So we've actually seen this week Skipton Builder Society, which is apparently the um, fourth largest UK mutual, and they've basically increased their SVR from 3.5% up to 4.95%. And that's actually like one of the biggest increases we've seen since probably like forever now, um, especially during the credit crunch. Um, so it's quite a big move, actually. And they've actually reneged on their kind of commitment to their borrowers because they actually had a guarantee in place saying that they would only ever pay 3% over base rate um, on their SVR. So it's actually going back on, on their commitment that they actually promised Does that suggest that that they think this is serious inflation and interest rates are definitely going to go up? Because um, to to break a commitment like that usually takes uh, exceptional circumstances, which you might argue these aren't exceptional. Well, I think a lot of people are a bit puzzled by why they've actually made this move now, because we could have argued before um, the last sort of 12 months, 18 months have actually been exceptional circumstances, and now we might be actually sort of recovering a bit more. So there is a query about why they actually decided to do it now, but I think really it's how low the savings rates are at the moment and how much competition there are in the market for savings rates that's actually pushed them to make this decision right now. So if you've come off a fixed or tracker rate deal and have been sitting on your lender's standard variable rate mm-hmm. quite happily, mm-hmm. um, should you now be thinking this SVR could go up? Should I look at remortgaging? Yeah, it does definitely poses a question once again whether this is the right time now to start actually looking at fixing your mortgage because um, I think we had recent stats out actually yesterday from John Charcoal, the mortgage broker, and they were saying actually 80% of their borrowers are still opting for a variable rate rather than a fixed rate. Um, and that's because variable rates are still so much cheaper. SVRs are still cheaper. So a lot of people who don't have the equity to actually sort of manage to remortgage onto a better deal right now are staying on their SVRs. But I think this move by Skipton and obviously the fact that that inflation has risen by so much, does pose the question that interest rates could rise quite 
steeply over the next one. We, we just don't know. Yes, we'll certainly have to look at the uh, the next set of inflation figures and keep an eye on those um, interest rates. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Tanya and Alice. And for more on the impact of inflation, real or imaginary, uh, you can read Alice's article in FT Money with this weekend's FT and also Tanya's updates on the mortgage market. Uh, you can find news and blog postings as well uh, on inflation at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, are there ways to legally avoid 50% tax if you earn more than £150,000? First, though, emerging markets. Emerging markets funds are now all the rage. In the last quarter of 2009, global emerging markets funds surged back into the top 10 bestsellers on the co-funds platform. And FT Money columnist Anthony Bolton has put down his pen and upped sticks to China to launch a new fidelity fund, describing the investment opportunity as simply too great to pass up. But is it easier and safer to play emerging markets from the comfort of London by buying into FTSE companies that do business in growing economies but also pay big dividends? Steve, you've been researching this this week. Can UK companies capture the emerging markets growth story? Well, a surprising number appear to, Matthew. Um, There are now more than a quarter of FTSE 100 companies have take more than 30% of their revenues from emerging markets. This is, of course, part of a wider trend um, that people talk about in the FTSE, that it's actually a very overseas, internationally oriented index. Some two-thirds of revenues are foreign, i.e. none. UK revenues for the UK PLC as a whole. Um, And it is those internationally biased companies that many brokers are saying people should favour at the moment, given poor prospects for the UK economy this year and potential weakness of sterling. So having earnings from abroad means you get a kicker, um, a currency kicker, um, when they're brought back to the UK. So let's say that I buy into the whole emerging market growth story, but I I don't trust a fund manager to go and pick the right stocks in China or India or Latin America or wherever. Um, which FTSE companies would give me the most exposure? Well, typically it's the miners, Matthew, which is not great to hear, of course. I mean, some of them are 100% exposed to emerging markets. Um, the problem there, of course, is miners have had an extraordinary run in the last year. They're also pretty damn volatile anyway, or sort of pretty high risk. Um, but they will give you that near 100% exposure. Um, coming down, if you like, standard chartered is near 95% emerging markets. But there are a lot of blue chip names that offer both um, reasonable emerging markets exposure, lots of developed market exposure as well, so you're still getting that overseas exposure, and a decent income yield as well. So that would be very appealing towards private investors. I mean, the likes of Vodafone, for example, are 32% of its revenue revenues are from emerging markets, and its prospective dividend yield is for the next year is 6%. Um, other names um, cited by various people are um, Unilever, 35% emerging market revenues, um, yielding 3.6%. Uh, International Power, 37% emerging markets, yielding 3.8%. So, as, as one strategist put it to me this week, you can almost have your cake and eat it. You can get exactly what private investors want, a bit de- decent bit of income, plenty of overseas exposure to protect yourself against the dreadful things happening in the UK, and better still, a link into that high economic growth of emerging markets. But what are the downsides? If you go in via a, a UK company, you're not going to get pure exposure. I mean, some of those examples, you're getting, what, 35% of their revenues coming from emerging markets. So the performance that you see 
will be somewhat diluted, presumably. It'll inevitably be diluted. And don't forget, of course, these companies are quoted on the UK market as well. And if the UK market crashes, all UK shares tend to fall, sort of, so regardless of where their earnings come from. Um, so there is that diluted effect. Um, but but turn it round and look at how well emerging markets did last year. Many doubled or more. So a lot of people may be sitting at home now sort of kicking themselves thinking, I bought, I should have bought more or put more money into emerging markets. And many people are underexposed to emerging markets, um, but may not like the idea of going to a fund that doubled in value last year. So, you know, the likes of um, Vodafone, which may not be a very good example because many sort of experts say that actually it's, it's a bit too stodgy and it's not, it's, it, there isn't the catalyst for growth there. But for example... Uh, Vodafone, in, in albeit a good UK bull market as well, was only up some 20-25% last year. I suppose the other advantage of going uh, via London, uh, so to speak, is that you have liquidity. Uh, it's easy to it's so easy to buy and sell FTSE 100 stocks, whereas that's not the case necessarily if you're going um, you know, via a higher-risk fund investing in emerging markets. Well, exactly. I mean, I think, um, the, I think it's, the distinction is probably okay with a fund in most cases, but yes, certainly comparing buying a UK stock comparing with, compared with going, trying to buy an overseas stock that had direct exposure to emerging markets, a Chinese stock or whatever, that would be much more expensive, far less liquid. Um, some brokers, and perhaps it's a tad xenophobic of, of, as well, sort of turn around and say, well, actually, you've got sort of, you know, dealing for a UK stock, you're going to have on average, on in general, better standards of corporate governance. So hopefully those earnings, those revenues are more secure and you're not going to end up sort of taking very high risk with a high risks with a, a, a local emerging markets company. So you can you can do it all from the, from the comfort of your living room and dealing via your good old fashioned UK stockbroker. Steve, uh, thank you very much indeed. And for a, a listing of the FTSE 100 companies with the most exposure to emerging markets, look out for Steve's article in FT Money this weekend and on our website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, tax rates. From April the 6th this year, anyone earning more than £150,000 will pay a new top rate of tax of 50% and lose their personal tax allowance, while at the same time having their ability to claim tax relief on pension contributions restricted. Anyone would think the Chancellor doesn't like them. But there are some ways to reduce the impact of the new 50% rate by doing some tax planning over the coming weeks. Now, Alice, this may not be a problem that uh, any one of us will face, but uh, what should our high-earning listeners be considering right now? One of the main things that they can do is use up all their allowances. Now, this is something that they're always these high earners are always told to do around this time of year. Um, private client wealth managers are always saying, use up your ISA allowance, um, use up any pension contributions that you can make, make sure you've got all of your you know capital gains tax stuff used up. Um, and then also there's transferring be- between spouses. This is a traditional one as well. So the higher earning spouse will transfer assets to the, the spouse who's maybe not working or paying basic rate tax so that they don't have to pay higher rate tax on dividends from those investments and that sort of thing. So that's that's the normal advice. And But what um, people have been saying is that there's been a lot more interest in that. <laughs> in, I'm sure there has. Exactly. Yeah. Usually people ignore that advice, apparently, and they just say, yeah, yeah. But this year they're like, no, right, we're going to get on this. What are we going to do? And are there any other ways of taking income 
that would be liable to 50% tax from April the 6th onwards early, so that it so that it comes in at 40% or a lower rate. Yeah, that, that's another thing that's being done at the moment. And there are a few ruses that might not be as, as obvious as just the using your allowances one. Um, one is if you if you have a bank account that pays interest annually, as a lot of them do, if that interest payment falls after April the 6th, so say you're always paid in May or June or something, people are actually being advised to close those accounts now and bring the interest payments forward and then just open them again after April because then the interest payments will be taxed at you know their 40% rate, not their 50%. So that's one thing that you can do. Another thing you could do is exercise any share options you might have um, before April because, again, you have to pay income tax on, on those. So that's, again, bringing forward the 40% instead of 50% thing. Um, then a couple of things that people are being told to do after April, um, people earning over 100,000 and up to about 113,000, I'm told by tax people, are effectively paying a marginal rate of about 60%, or they will be from April because of this tapering of the um, personal allowances, which makes their tax actually a lot higher. Now, those people are being advised to top up their pension even more after April because then they can take advantage of the, the lower rates there. And what about um, specific um, investment vehicles? Are there any that will become more attractive um, as a way of of either not paying uh, 50% income tax or at least sheltering your investments from it? Yeah, there are a couple of things in particular that are, seem to be, be becoming more popular as a result of this. One is venture capital uh, trusts. So um, these are these quite high risk investment funds um, which are, you know, startup companies, which is why they're high risk. You never quite know if they're going to go bust or make you millions. Um, but you get 30% tax relief on the way in, which is good. And then you don't have to pay uh, tax on dividends. Um, so so that's looking good. A lot of people are using that as an alternative to a pension as well because of the, the extra tax relief that they get there. Um, and the other thing that people are looking at more is investment bonds, particularly the offshore variety, because those roll up um, all of the tax that you would normally pay and you only pay it when you encash the bond. Um, so if you don't encash it for another 10 years, say, you might then be at a lower rate. You might not be earning 150 grand anymore. You might be retired or a pension or who knows, you might have changed your circumstances. But with both of those things, some people are also advising caution because, of course, there's an investment situation there. I mean, a venture capital trust is pretty high risk. You could lose all your money. So don't just do it because you're trying to make pension contributions. Um, similarly, offshore bonds, which tend to be run by, well, which are run by life companies, tend to get criticised for pretty shoddy performance. So again, that might not be the best investment opportunity. So the thing that people are always saying is don't let the tax tail wag the investment dog or something. Is that the right way? That, is the, that is the phrase. They, they love that cliche, yeah. So, okay, um, so yes, bear that in mind this time as always. Exactly. Think think tax tails or investment dogs or, or whatever. It strikes me as a nice problem to have, um, although high-earning listeners may disagree. Um, for more on tax planning, you can read Alice's article on the 50% uh, tax rate in FT Money this weekend. And you'll find answers to all of our readers' questions on tax returns online at ft.com forward slash Somerset. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember that you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money, and you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Steve, Tanya, and Alice. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.